That's where we're going to go is Luke chapter 10 as we're traveling through the book of Luke. Hey, I encourage everybody here, every family, grab one of these. Uh, we have them in the back. You should have gotten one, hopefully, with your bulletin. Xander has one. If you need one, raise your hand. Xander will bring it to you. Uh, grab one of these. Um, maybe some of you even who've been coming for a long time. Here, Xander, up here. Up here. Uh, please. Uh, maybe even if you've been coming a long time, you don't understand what this is. Okay, so we're a Calvary Chapel. We're affiliated with Calvary Chapel. We're our own independent church, but we're affiliated with about 1,700 other churches. And there's a magazine in Calvary Chapel, Fredericksburg, which is near D.C., and we're friends with them. In fact, one of the pastors there is teaching in our Bible college this semester. He's doing it through Zoom and all that sort of thing. Uh, a real close uh, friend of uh, Beck and Lexi's and our, all of us. Anyway, at that church, they put together a magazine of all the things that are happening in Calvary chapels. So it's like we're our own independent church, but we have kind of a backbone that we can glob onto. And one of the things is they do a magazine. It's really beautiful. And this week, or this month, this quarter, the winter quarter, uh, they have, which we're very interested in, uh, an article about a Calvary Chapel at Calvary Chapel Old Bridge and how they've uh, uh, been blessed to have a, a, a mobile ultrasound unit uh, to help with the unborn. And so that's a beautiful article. There's a really cool article about this man with Down syndrome who blesses people at his church. It's just so touching uh, right there. So that's cool. Uh, and there's lots of neat stuff in here. Uh, every time they put something together, uh, talking about the challenges of COVID and how churches are adjusting there. Then there's one other thing that I like. There's the gospel on the back. So I put this in my backpack. I have them all the time. And when you're with somebody, here, you can give them to them. Just give them the, the gospel, okay? And um, uh, so that's, that's there. And I hope all of you uh, take advantage of that uh, and uh, take that home with you. After you're done reading it, please share. Okay, I had another announcement. It's totally gone out of my head. Totally forget it. I'll remember it in about five minutes and I'll interrupt the teaching uh, to uh, come up with that. But anyway, uh, turn with to Luke chapter 10. Uh, again, if you're new here or if you're listening online and you're new here, uh, new to us, we're just trying to travel through the Bible. As the founder of Calvary Chapel used to say, healthy sheep produce healthy sheep. And the way in which we get healthy in the body of Christ is through knowing his word, folks, is taking in his word. So if you think, well, okay, it's the middle of January, it's freezing cold outside, what am I doing? Here's what you're doing. The Lord is building you up through his word because... Luke chapter 10, <laughs> we're now seeing Luke, the doctor, the physician, who writes the universal gospel, the gospel that's not just for this person or that person, a rich person or a poor person, it's for everybody. It's this side of the track, that side of the track, it's this political philosophy and that political philosophy. God's love and mercy is big enough to grab us all and to scoop us up. And that's what he's writing about. And Jesus now, at about Luke chapter 10, is now moving, instead of out, now towards Jerusalem. And what lies at Jerusalem is his death and resurrection. Now, that's some time off, but we're traveling through the book. And so he knows, Jesus does, that it's imperative in the life of a disciple, not just to do all the book learning. Well, that is good. Learn the Word of God. It's what changes and grows and moves us. But then go out and do life learning. Don't just be hearers of the Word, but be doers of the Word. And what he has done prior is he sent out the 12 disciples in chapter 9 of the book of Luke. But as we begin here, you're going to see something. Now he sends out 70 disciples. Before it was the 12 apostles, the ones close to him. Now he's sending out seven, 70 disciples. We'll talk about that in a minute. Why is he doing it? Because the time 
is growing short. And so on one hand, he's sending people out. He's sending 35 groups out. Even I can do that math by two, and I'm terrible at math. To reach all the towns and the villages and the nooks and crannies of where Israel is before he goes down and marches to his death and resurrection. But listen, one of the things he's also doing is he's training up the rest of the disciples. Now, there's clearly more than 70 or even 82 followers of Christ, but you see he's growing it. He's, he's uh, teaching people how to do it and what to do. Now, Paul, in one of my, well, it is, it's my favorite chapter of the Bible, tells us something. I'm going to read it to you here in a minute. But I was thinking about this. Folks, if the President of the United States came to you this week and said, listen, I want you to be a foreign ambassador, where would you pick? Israel. Okay, there's one, Israel. I know where I'd pick. I'd say Switzerland, or I'd say Austria, or I'd say Canada. And you know why I'd say that? I'd say it because of all the mountains. That's where I'd want to go. But to be an ambassador, and maybe you'd be somewhere else, I don't know. Where would you be? Italy, uh, uh, go, go to Africa. How beautiful would it be to go to Africa? Oh, what a continent, right? Or New Zealand or, or whatever. It'd be neat to do that. But here I am thinking of myself as I go to be the ambassador. And see, that's not the real reason for an ambassador. An ambassador is somebody who goes to a foreign place with the decree of the government or the king or whoever, whoever's in charge, and does the business of the government or the king in the foreign land and represents the king or the government or the people that he's coming from. He represents that, that government, that people in that foreign land. And so you know why I said Switzerland and Austria and Canada, because I want to hike around in the mountains. But see, that's not really what it's for. It's not for my pleasure. It's for the business of the king or the government. You understand what I'm saying? Now, with that backdrop, listen to what Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Because I know your ministry. I know what it is. The only reason I know what it is is because I'm just reading. I can read, and so can you. And here it comes. Listen to this in verse 16 of chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians Therefrom, or excuse me, therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that's something you have to ask yourself. Are you in Christ and is Christ in you? You can't just come to church. You can't just pay money. You can't just be a good person. Have you surrendered your life to Jesus Christ and asked him to come into your life and to pay the penalty for your sins and to be your Lord and your Savior? Have you done that? You can't just show up to church. No, you surrender your life to Christ. And if you're in Christ, listen to this, you become a new creation. It's not old Tim made better. It's new Tim in Christ. That's what the word means here. You're a new creation in Christ. But listen, old things passed away. All things have become new. Now all things are of God uh, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus, his son. And has, listen, here it comes. I know your ministry. I don't care what the Lord's called you to. Here's your ministry. The ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ, here's what we tell people, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, and this is so beautiful, not imputing their trespasses to them. He doesn't remember your sins anymore. He doesn't count your sins against you in Christ. Isn't that something to just shout from the rooftops? Because that song resonates with me. I, I, my voice cracks when I sing that song. Lord... I'm prone to wander, Lord. I feel it. Man, is that powerful to me because I feel it. And to think that the Lord doesn't impute his tre or my trespasses and has committed to us the world of word of reconciliation. Okay, 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 but here it comes. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. If you're in Christ, whether you like it or not, you're an ambassador. 
And here's where the foreign, world, uh, uh, foreign land is, here, <laughs> wherever it is, Pennsylvania, Canada, uh, Africa, Switzerland, uh, New Zealand, wherever. <laughs> we all live in the world that's foreign. Our real home is in heaven. We're ambassadors for Christ. So we're not just ambassadors, we're ambassadors for Christ as though God, look at this, listen, here's our job. COVID, no COVID, Democrat, Republican, Tea Party, I don't care who's in power. It doesn't, it never changes. It never changes. And it's this, we're pleading, God's pleading through us to implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. When you leave here today, your job as an ambassador for Christ is to live in the love and dignity and grace of Jesus Christ with mercy and to implore, to plead with people. The Bible tells us now, folks, listen, doesn't it? The kindness of the Lord leads to repentance, but sometimes kindness doesn't work. You know, you, you talk about the mercy and the grace, but then Jude says... But for some, you got to like snatch them out of the fire. And sometimes, as the Lord discern, gives you discernment, you know, you handle people, of course, all the time with grace and mercy. You do. And sometimes talking to them in kindness and sweetness, it works and the Lord uses it. But then sometimes you got to tell people, judgment is coming. Jude tells us this. And that's the loving thing to do. Okay, now what am I saying? We're ambassadors to talk about this reconciliation through Christ. And then my favorite verse, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Wow, that to me is liberating. So why did I just take you through all of that? Because see, Jesus now is going, he's kind of over the hump of his ministry and he's now still out there uh, uh, ministering to people, but he's also teaching his people how to live when he dies and rises again and sends the Comforter, the Holy Spirit. He's teaching people how to live. And one of the things he's saying is, in Luke chapter 10 is, you're an ambassador. And here it comes. Listen to this. Verse 1. After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two before his face into every city and, his, and, and place. And then I don't want you to miss this. He sends them two by two, 70, 35 groups. Don't miss this. He was following up behind them. You see this? Where he himself was about to go. Isn't that beautiful? You're not left to yourself. If you've been uh, moved to an outpost in Siberia to serve the Lord, <laughs> he's there. If you've been moved, uh, you know, uh, to this ministry, you think nobody's ever paying any attention, he's there. It's about where he was about to go, or he goes, uh, he sends them where he himself was about to go. The Lord never takes you any place he's not, ever, uh, not willing to go himself. You get that? Now think about what I just said, because there's a lot of people now who are hurting and struggling, and the Lord went through trials and temptation. Well, here he, he uh, sends them out to every city and place where he himself was about to go, and then he said to them, listen, the harvest truly is great. Do we really believe that? The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest, go your way. Uh, behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. Carry neither money bag, uh, knapsack, nor sandals, and greet no one along the road. But whatever house you enter, uh, first say peace to this house, and if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on it. If not, it will return to you and remain in the same house, eating and drinking such things as they give. For the laborer is worthy of his wages." Uh, don't go or do not go from house to house, whatever city you enter and they receive, you eat such things as are set before you and heal the sick there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you, but whatever city you enter and they do not receive you, go out into its streets and say, 
The very dust of your city which clings to us, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near you. But I say to you that it will be more tolerable in that day for Sodom than for that city. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, who are exalted to heaven, will be brought down to Hades. He who hears you hears me. He who rejects you rejects me. And he who rejects me rejects him who sent me. So let's pray. Lord, we need your help to understand these things and to know these things. And Lord, help us to see how they apply here in 2021. And uh, they certainly do. And uh, we trust that you're going to do a mighty work today. In Jesus' name, amen. So the 70 are sent out. The 70 are sent out. As we've been talking, Jesus is now kind of over that hump, going towards Jerusalem. It's still ways away, but he's progressing in the way in which he disciples his disciples, his followers. And now he's sending out two by two into every city and place, but not any place that he wouldn't go. He's ready to follow up. And he says to them, which is certainly uh, applicable to us, isn't it? And I wonder if we believe it. I really wonder if we believe it. Because sometimes we can go without seeing any movement or fruit. That the harvest truly is great. Jesus knew it. Jesus preached it. Jesus talked it. I can't imagine a greater time in history where the harvest was any greater than it is today. We know a lot about religious stuff but don't really know the gospel. The harvest is great. He certainly was familiar, and so were his disciples who were going out with this planting and reaping and harvesting. He surely was, and he says here that it's great, but the laborers are few. The laborers are few. So what does he tell them to do? Here's what he tells them to do, or here's what he doesn't tell them to do, form committees. That's our answer in the church now. What do we need to do? Well, let's do this. Let's get an evangelical committee, and let's bring them together and see how we can be more evangelical. Well, he doesn't really say that. He says this, pour out your heart to me about your concerns about the harvest. In other words, you become concerned by praying to me. I'm convinced. What we pray about is less about our needs and more about conforming our will towards his. You know, our prayers tend to be things like this. Lord, I need a, oh my goodness, Lord, I need that new car so bad. I mean, I know it's only three years old, but come on, I'm due, Lord, I deserve it. Or the, the Lord, man, if I could just get that promotion, Lord, it'd be $7,000 more. Oh, Lord, it'd be so... See, but here, the Lord is saying our prayers should be taken up with, of course, our needs. He tells us to pray for our needs. But he says that our prayers should be full of prayers for laborers to help in the evangelical mission of people getting saved. And he knows it's going to be difficult. I mean, read this portion of Scripture here. It's dangerous. You say, what have I signed up for? You see, here's what you've signed up for. You've exchanged your life for his. And his life was dangerous because the message is so radical. And here he says, the first thing that you should do is not form committees, not pour money into it, although money can be a gift. I mean, we have to get places to, to, to share with people who've never heard and that money can be a gift. But, but really, the harvest is so great and the laborers are few. Therefore, come to me. Pray that, to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into your harvest. Now, I want you to see something. And I don't want you to feel bad if you can't go on the missions trips or anything like that. He asked the laborers to pray the prayer. He doesn't ask the spectators to pray the prayer. 
Now, I'm not criticizing people who spectate. I mean, sometimes uh, I know the book of uh, uh, the Old Testament. David uh, criticized uh, some of the people who uh, went out to the battle and criticized the people who stayed back and guarded the supply lines. There are places for that uh, and, and uh, positions and, 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 and uh, you know, people need uh, to do those sorts of things, to pray and to give money. So I'm not criticizing, but what I want you to notice is he wants you to get involved in the battle. Whether that does mean going or that means, you know, getting involved and, and doing what you can, but he wants you not to be a spectator. Is there a place where you have plugged in? If there's not, if you just come to whatever church you go to, not just here, and you're a consumer Christian, well, you're not reading the New Testament or the Bible. You're not reading the Bible. The Bible calls us to be part of the mission, <laughs> to row in the same direction. And it might be something different. I mean, maybe you're not in the stadium giving the gospel like Billy Graham or Greg Laurie or somebody like that, but maybe you're not doing that. But maybe the Lord has called you to come clean the tables so that they're clean for people to come or to set up the chairs or to help with the stage or the lights or the video. I don't know. What's the Lord calling to you, you to do? Because I got to tell you, folks, yes, you know, I hear what we all say. I go, man, I'm so glad 2020 is over and we can get on to 2021. Got to tell you, though, humanly, what's different? Now, in the Lord, we're excited. But humanly, what's different? It's the same. So be careful what you say. But one great thing that's come out of 2020 is we didn't ever record, and lots of churches didn't ever record, didn't live stream this, and there are people listening. We get messages from, you're like, what? People are listening there? Now, I'm not saying that towards us, but that's happening th throughout the Christian world, and more people are reaching out. Now, it has its disadvantages because, just frankly, people will cruise if they can, but, but whatever. You, you, you see what I'm saying. And, 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 and so, so whatever it is, if you're doing video or you're doing this or you're doing that, get involved and pray. That's the first thing. What should we be doing as a church? We should be praying for more laborers to help in the ministry. By the way, that means that the leadership of the church can't hold on to everything. You get that? So we don't want to do that. We want to train people up and, and then have them go and do their ministry wherever the Lord calls them to do their ministry. We want to uh, produce healthy sheep so that they, they can go out in the world as laborers and bring more of the Lord's harvest as he sees fit. Now, what do you do? You pray, but then you go your way. <laughs> and know when you go your way that you need to be, I need to be wise in the Holy Spirit. I need to be as wise as a serpent, the Bible tells me, but as gentle as a dove. <laughs> we have people that are wise in their own eyes and harsh to people in the world. That's what we have. That's what I've been seeing over the last four or five months. Wise people who think they know it all and harsh to everybody else. But the Bible says, no, 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 be wise, of course, be, you know, be wise, but be gentle and loving as dove. You can still say truth and be gentle. You still can do it, folks, I'm convinced. It just takes relational courage through the Holy Spirit. Okay, go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be a little scary. Lambs among wolves. Carry neither money bag, knapsack, nor sandals, and greet no one along the road. What is all that about? What do you mean? Listen, our mission. What this is telling you is not to be antisocial. That's not what this is telling you. In fact, uh, this actually comes from 2 Kings 4, the story of Elisha, when he heals the Shunammite uh, lady's son. He sends his uh, servant out, Gehazi, and you know what he tells Gehazi? He doesn't say, this is so important, but that's what he's saying. He's saying, this is such an important mission. Don't stop and greet everybody. The guy's going to die, or is dying, or is dead. We need to raise him up. And, and, and what was happening back in the ancient world, where there were these elaborate greeting customs that would detain you for a long time. And so what Jesus is saying here is, travel light. Travel real light. Now listen, listen folks, Americans need to hear this. We're worried whether we have 
2,200 feet in our house or 2,400 feet in our house. That's our major problems. We're worried whether we have that car or this car. We're worried about things that sometimes don't even matter. We get so materialistic, it just chokes us out. And hear what the Lord says, when you're on mission, when you're my ambassador, travel light. I don't know what that means for you, but watch that material things don't possess you. You can possess them, but don't let them possess you. If uh, One, one uh, commentator said, material things make life or make it difficult to die. Material things make it very difficult to die. Why? Because you want to hold on to the stuff. So travel light, Jesus says. Carry neither money bag, knapsack, nor sandals, and greet no one along the way. That comes from, again, that Elisha story. Don't think it's be antisocial. No, he doesn't say be antisocial. But he's saying don't turn aside uh, from important things to concentrate on lesser things. Are you catching that? Don't turn aside from important things to concentrate on lesser things. You don't have to run through all the elaborate customs of greeting. Just, hey, how you doing? Have a nice day and get on with the mission. That's what he's saying. Greet no one along the road. But whatever house you enter, first say peace to this house. He's telling us what to preach. It comes straight from Paul, 2 Corinthians 5, peace. Romans 8, you in Christ now have peace with God. There's no condemnation to those who walk according to the Spirit and not according to the flesh. You have peace with God. That's so big, I can't believe we're not jumping up and down like the Super Bowl got won. I mean, think about it. There's enmity between us and the Lord without Christ in our lives. There's this great gulf that's fixed. There's this thing between us. And in Christ Jesus, there's no condemnation peace. We should be uh, preaching peace to people. And we come in, and when we're on mission, we preach that peace. Oh, by the way, now that you have peace with God, you can have the peace of God, the peace of God that passes all understanding. How do you do it? You, You know what? If you'll keep your mind stayed on Him, Isaiah tells us, you'll have perfect peace. The problem is we don't travel light. We get involved in all this other stuff. Well, anyway, he says peace to this house. And if a son of peace is there, a person who pursues peace, another believer is there, your peace will rest on it. If not, it will return to you and remain in the same house. What is he telling us on mission? Don't be so picky. (laughs) I went on a missions trip one time. I won't say where because I don't want to give it away. And we get to the first place. This is in a European country, Eastern European. I'm giving it away. And we go to eat, and we got the hosts there, and a couple people start complaining. I wanted to crawl under the seat. And and, and I got to tell you, I probably am considered a picky eater. I probably am. But there was no way I was going to say one word about any of that food. And they complained, and I was like, oh, my gosh. And I wanted to go under the seat. And when we got back, I actually had to say something. Do not complain. We're not here for your comfort. By the way, I'll tell you what it was. They had kind of a reason. It was borscht. Is that how you say it? Oh, boy, that's rough. But anyway... They complained. And here he's saying, in life, listen, you don't, when you're on mission as an ambassador to Christ, you're in the foreign place, listen, stay light. Don't get involved in the lesser things and skip over the big things. And don't be in it for what's coming to you. You're not in this mission for what's coming to you. Wherever the Lord calls you, whatever he says to us, we stand and we say, yes, sir. Right? And here he says, 
don't, don't just go from house to house eating and drinking as they give for the labor is worthy of wages. He recognizes that, of course, you're due what you're, uh, uh, what you're working for. You're, you're, you're worthy of wages. And Paul reiterates that in his letters in 1 Corinthians and uh, 1 Timothy, of course. But, but don't be in it for what you get. Be in it for what the mission is. You're an ambassador. Whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat such things as are set before you. I should have read this, huh? <laughs> and heal the sick there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whatever city you enter and they do not receive you, go out into the streets and say, the very dust of your city which clings to us, we wipe off against you. Now, Jesus, man, he knew the Bible, didn't he? Because that's, again, straight from the Old Testament. That's what Joshua's army was told to do when they went in uh, uh, to the promised land. It's in Deuteronomy 20, this exact stuff. If they'll come in there and you tell them you're from the Lord and, uh, uh, you know, hey, nothing's going to happen if you let us come in and do the Lord's work, then everything's fine. But, but if they don't, you, you, you shake the dust off as if you are saying to them, I've warned you, judgment is coming. That's what your mission is. You get it? Here as an ambassador of Christ, as you travel light, as you focus on the minor, major things, not the minor things, as you aren't a baby, spoiled, rotten brat who needs everything handed to you, but your, uh, uh, but your uh, 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 attitude and your, your perspective is, Lord, it's whatever you have for me, wherever you send me, I don't care. Whatever you do, I'm going to just preach peace, the peace of God. And I'm going to keep coming back. And I, part of my mission is uh, uh, I'm going to share the kindness of the Lord that leads to repentance. But if that doesn't work, I'm going to warn people also about the judgment. And I'm going to tell them about the judgment and snatch them out of the fire. And if they don't listen, I'm going to give that very incredible signal. You've been warned. <laughs> That's our mission. That's our mission, the very dust. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near you. What does that mean? Well, Jesus is here. Wherever God is, there's where the kingdom is. Jesus uh, and the Father are one. But I say to you that it will be more tolerable. Now, this is interesting. It will be more tolerable in that day for Sodom. You can see about their or that city's judgment in Genesis 19. Uh, it will be more tolerable in that day for Sodom than that for that city. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, their judgment can be seen in Ezekiel 26 through 28 and Isaiah 23. They have been judged. So, so look, look, folks. Tyre and Sidon, they're coastal cities over on the coast, Mediterranean coast. When we eventually go to Israel, <laughs> we're going to be very close to these places. And also, uh, Sodom, he talks about, it was judged, right? And then he says, woe to you, Chorazin, and woe to you, Bethsaida, and woe to you, Capernaum. They're all um, uh, cities in Galilee where Jesus and his disciples traveled and shared his message. You understand? And what Jesus is saying, it's going to be more tolerable even under the judgment that Tyre and Sidon and um, Sodom received, than it is for the cities who heard the gospel and didn't respond. You catching that? Which tells me something about responsibility. In the Bible, we're always responsible for what we know. We're always responsible for what we know. Think about that. See, there's a group of people, there's a mass of people in the United States that know more than anybody in the world. They know, but they don't know in here. They've never surrendered in here. We are responsible for what we know. And I believe, you can disagree with me here on this, but that there's different levels of judgment even in the place that's separated from God for all eternity. 
<laughs> and you, Capernaum, who were exalted to heaven. What's that mean? Well, Jesus' headquarters was Capernaum. Jesus was there. This was the place that he set up shop. He lived among them who are exalted to heaven. Yes, they're exalted because they received Jesus into their town, but you're going to be brought down to Hades. And then he says this, he who hears you hears me. He who rejects you rejects me. Who's here a people pleaser? Raise your hand. I got two of them. I'm a people pleaser by nature. Jesus has given comfortable words to us. He's saying, listen, you're on mission. Go be on mission. Here's what your life's going to look like as an ambassador. It's not going to be like Tim who wants to pick a place to go because he wants to hang out. No, you got serious work to do. And the work that you do on your mission, here, listen, folks, I know what you've been picked for, southwestern Pennsylvania so far. Maybe the Lord has something else, I don't know. But right now, it's southwestern PA. And he says, while you're there, here's what your life should look like as an ambassador. And remember, when you are worried because no one's receiving what you've said, remember, if they reject you, they're not really rejecting you. People pleaser, I'm talking to myself. They're rejecting me. They're rejecting me. He who rejects you rejects me. And he who rejects me rejects him who sent me. Don't take it personally when you're rejected. You will be rejected. Well, the 70 return with joy. Circle joy right there. Don't you say to yourself, listen, I just came through COVID. I got to tell you, man, it was no fun. <laughs> no fun. Here, it looks quiet in the sanctuary. It was no fun. In fact, there were times, you know, you're in like your 10th day of going back up the stairs to do nothing, and you're in a brain fog. You're like, man, this is rough, and it's dark. And you can't even read. You can't even concentrate. At least that's the way it was for me. And I needed joy, man. Where was my joy? Well, here in the middle of COVID, your political party didn't win, maybe. Uh, your, 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 your job, I mean, seriously, there are things happening. People's jobs going away. Here the Lord's saying, listen, on mission as an ambassador, you still can have joy. What's going to happen is you're going to go out and you're going to see some fruit. And the 70 returned with joy. They saw some fruit. They're out, the two groups of 35, you know, the 35 groups of two, they're out there. By the way, there's a whole sermon about that. He sends them out two by two. Why do you think he sends them out two by two? Well, you know what from the Old Testament, testimony of two or more people is effective in Israel. You remember this? What else is, I think, the Lord teaching the disciples? You know what I think the Lord's teaching his disciples? The American churches could really uh, uh, glob onto this. I think what he's teaching the disciples is when you're ministering, it don't matter what's on the nameplate up there. Oh, you know, don't come to our church or we won't come to your church because our names aren't the same. He's saying, here come these ministers and they're of one accord when they go out to be ambassadors. Isn't that good? Now, you, look, you can't link up with everybody. Some people think some weird stuff, so you can't do it. But, but here, as, as people are, are uh, <clears throat> you know, sharing the gospel, come on, folks. They don't worship like us, okay. They don't worship like us. We worship different, okay. All right, so it's teaching, I think it's teaching the disciples that. I think it's teaching the disciples or telling uh, the people, hey, by two or more witnesses, a thing is confirmed. That's from the Old Testament. And of course, the other reason is go with a buddy because it's going to be dangerous. And there's going to be one there for your comfort and strength and you can lean on him and he can lean on you. I think that's all what that's all about. Well, here they come back and they said, man, listen to this. This is the temptation, isn't it? Wow, we did great. I mean, I was born for this. Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And of course, they do use the phrase in your name, so that's good. But there's this temptation when you come back from fruitful ministry, isn't there? To say, wow, am I good at this. And he says to them, well, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Now, most people are going to tell you right here, and, and, and I think this is partially true, or it is true. They're going to uh, talk to you about uh, what happened to Satan, 
Lucifer and give you the theology of what happened, you know, the discourse about what happened uh, to Satan. And that's true. This does give you a little insight, but I don't think that's the point of what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, wow, you came back and you thought you did well, huh? He goes, well, I remember seeing Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Remember what Satan was doing, Lucifer was doing? He was the anointed cherub. He was the worship leader. He was the beautiful one. And what did he start to think? I'm going to be like God. What if we're never more like the enemy of the Lord than when we say, hmm, he sent me out, man, and I was really good at this. I mean, I could do this for a living. You know what I'm saying? In the inappropriate way. And Jesus here says, well, wait a minute. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I, gave, or I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, listen to this. Listen. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this. The signs and the wonders. Don't rejoice in that. But here, rejoice here that the spirits are subject to, or, or don't rejoice that the spirits are subject to, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Listen, I want you to see something in chapter 17. How can you have joy in the middle of difficult circumstances? COVID, political party ain't right, job, whatever. I'm, I'm telling you, folks, it's never more heavenly than when you're laying down your lives to serve other people. Here, the 70 returned with joy. Yes, the Lord warned them, but they were joyful because they were serving. Look what you're going to be doing in heaven. Go to Re Revelation chapter 22. What were one of the great things you'll be doing in heaven? What will you be doing in heaven, people ask? What will you be doing? Well, you'll be doing a lot of things. We did it today. We'll be worshiping the Lord. Holy, holy, holy. We'll be singing but look in Revelation 22. You're going to love it. Last book of the Bible, or actually, last chapter of the Bible. Last book of the Bible, last chapter of the Bible. Look at this. Verse 3, chapter 22, and there shall be no more curse. God reverses the curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it. And look, just this little throw in, little verse that's so astounding to you and I. And it says, and his servants shall serve him. We are going to be serving the Lord. Well, wait, you say, listen, Jesus in Matthew said, how do you serve me? Give somebody a cup of water. Clothe them. Feed them. Tell them you love them. Tell them they're forgiven. Share with them the peace of God. Give them the gospel. Servants shall serve him. There's nothing more heavenly than laying down your life for other people. You get it? And here, he says, be careful. You will have joy by serving, chapter 17, but be careful. Remember, you can do nothing without me, Jesus said. Jesus said, you can do nothing without me. We're going to learn that here in a minute. And then he said, I saw Satan, and you, there's this temptation. I know it, so be careful. And don't rejoice in the signs. Signs are fine. I love healings. I love it when folks get healed. I love when people's lives get turned around. Don't you? That's wonderful. But don't get all uh, wrapped up there because it, that will ebb and flow. But here's what, something that won't ebb and flow. Your name is written in the book of life and you're saved. The greatest miracle of all, folks, the greatest miracle of all is that your heart has been changed for the Lord. You've been transformed You've been reconciled to God. That's the greatest miracle. Listen, do you want to have joy in the most difficult times? Be a servant. That's so weird to me. I never grew up thinking that. It's just so foreign to my life without the Lord. I thought, get a great job, build a kingdom, build this, build that, take uh, vacations, golf, and that's going to be my life. That's what, what I tell people. I remember telling people, how much money do you want to make? I want to make enough money to be able to travel around the country and take vacations. I remember saying this. And here he's saying, but listen, if you want to have real joy, you'll serve others. If you want to have real joy, you're going to rejoice in your salvation. If the Lord does nothing else for you his, your entire life, if he does nothing else for you, but you've been saved, that's more than enough. That's more than enough. Don't complain past that. 
Okay, so your names are written in heaven. And then listen to this. There's one more rejoicing. How can you rejoice in tough times? In that hour, Jesus rejoiced in the Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. By the way, his heart is that none should perish, but that all should have eternal life. So don't think he's hiding it to hide it. We'll talk about it in a minute. His heart is that everyone would come to a knowledge of him. But all things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father, and who the Father is except the Son, and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal to him. You know what Jesus is saying right here as Jesus rejoices? Jesus is saying you can rejoice in the sovereignty of God always. (laughs) We think it's, oh, I got a new car, got a new promotion. Wow, God is so good. God's saying, no, 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 peel that back. You're going to be joyful if you'll lay down your life. You're going to be joyful if you'll recognize that salvation uh, is yours and that God arranged it through sending his son and you responded to that call. You know what it does? It takes all the pressure off. I I was telling people on Wednesday, I, I know I'm not supposed to admit stuff like this, but I feel my frailties sometimes. A lot of times, I feel like I'm not strong enough. I feel like I'm not worthy enough. I feel like, and then the Lord reminds me, it's exactly where I want you, bro. Because when you're weak, then my grace can shine through. But when you're crusty and arrogant and rude, I can't work with that. And here he says, all things have been delivered to me. So so why am I telling you all this? Because it's not up to you to get to the Father. I got news for you. It's nothing great about you that you're saved. It's nothing great about me that I'm saved. It's all great about him. And so we can always rejoice in that. We can rejoice in God's will and that sinners must humble ourselves. That's what we can rejoice in, and it just takes all the pressure off in life. Well, here, then he turned to his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes which see the things you see, for I tell you that many prophets and kings have desired to see what you see and have not seen it, and to hear what you hear uh, uh, hear and have not heard it. Listen, do you understand, folks? Ambassadors are privileged. I want you to think about that for a minute. You ambassadors, if you've surrendered your life to Christ, you're in the inner chamber. You're in that place where you can hear from the Lord. It says in the Psalms that he'll give us the secrets that he has. He'll give to his people the secrets for those who fear him. And we're privileged people to hear these things and to be able to tell them from the rooftop. Well, behold, catch this. A certain lawyer stood up and tested him saying, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Leave it up to lawyers to screw everything up, right? And he said to him, what is written in the law? What is your reading of it? See, I don't know if you're catching all of this, but Jesus is the master to teach people things. Here you got this lawyer. Do you understand what a lawyer is? It's not a person who goes into court in these times. It's a person who's an expert in the law, who writes out the law, who memorizes the law, who interprets the law. Who... So this lawyer comes up and tests him. That's the key here. He tests him. Now, catch this. You're going to want to know this. And he says, teacher, what shall I do to inherit the eternal life? That's always the world's uh, question. It's my question. When I, somebody presented me the gospel, what do I need to do? That's exactly the thing I asked. What do I need to do? What do, how do I need? What do I need? What? And, and Jesus says, well, what's written in the law? What's your reading of it? Which would be funny because where would the law be written on this guy? On his wrist. He would have a phylactery. And guess what he would have? This box on his wrist. They even keep them now, right? On their foreheads, right? Orthodox Jews. And, and what would be in there? It would be the law. And he's saying just... Just turn and read what you already know and tell me what you must do. And he says, because he knows the answer, you understand? The lawyer knows the answer, which means he's not being on the up and up with Jesus. He knows the answer, and he says, well, 
You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all soul, all strength, all mind. That comes from Deuteronomy 6. And then he kicks in Leviticus 19. Love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says to him, he says to him, you have answered rightly. Do this and you will live. Now here, wake up here. (laughs) See, Jesus knew it. He sent him back to the law that he was an expert in, and he was trying to teach him the thing that all of us need to be taught. Yes, the law is good and holy. The Bible tells us it is. But here's the problem with the law. It gives you no ability to live it. Catch that again. The law is good and holy because it shows you a perfect standard. It's like a mirror. You hold it up and you go, oh, yeah, love the Lord with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. See, here's the problem. I can't do it. My heart is prone to wander, Lord. I feel it. I don't love you with all my heart, soul, and strength. I need, here it comes, I need a Savior. And he's turning him right back. Catch this then. And the guy, the lawyer says, like we all would say, I would say this, but I want to justify myself. You know what he's saying? I want to compete. I want to say to you or to you or to you, I want to in my flesh. I go to more Bible studies than you folks do. That's my flesh. I'm here more than you are. I must be doing better. I like to measure up in my flesh. So do you. And here, it's just so human nature. He wanting to justify himself. Instead of, look folks, instead of just throwing himself on the mercy of God, he goes, oh, wait a minute. Love the Lord your God with all your heart strength? Oh, okay. Well then, catch this. This is so beautiful. He goes, this is what we all would say. Oh, if I'm my neighbor as myself, let's dissect this. Well, who is my neighbor? I tell you, I have people ask me these questions. I've asked this myself. Okay, if I'm to love my neighbor as myself, who exactly is my neighbor? That way I can just love right up to the bare minimum, but I never have to cross over. Are you catching it? And that's what he says. If I'm going to justify myself, I want to do it exactly perfect. Right up to the edge, but no more. And In other words, this guy, catch it, folks. Be honest with yourself. I'll be honest with myself, he's trying to evade the responsibility of the law. So, Jesus goes like this, look, a certain man goes down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Now, you need to know something real quick. Jerusalem is way up on a mountain. Jericho is way down, and it's not very far from each other. I think it's probably about a 20 or 30 minute bus ride. But when you go down to Jericho, I mean, it is down. In fact, you go from way above sea level to way below sea level in about 20, 25-minute bus ride. That quick. And it's real uh, deserty and, you know, nooks and crannies and rocks and everything you would think of about a desert. And it, apparently, this road was really uh, dangerous. And he fell among thieves, this guy, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a certain priest came down that road. So you have the guy who, by the way, is irresponsible. Nobody would walk this road by themselves, especially with stuff in their pockets. They knew that was just fair game. Then you have a certain priest coming down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Why did he pass by on the other side? A priest couldn't touch anything that was dead. It would make him ceremonially unclean, Numbers 19. So he's looking down the road, and he's like, oh, gee, that guy looks like he's pretty much gone and he just goes to the other side. He can't touch. He's more concerned about religion. Then next is a Levite. A Levite is from, a priest is from the tribe of Levi, but a Levite is not a priest necessarily. A Levite ministers in the sanctuary. He would have also been concerned about being ceremonially unclean, but there was a trick that thieves used. They would pretend to be dead and even cut themselves and stuff, and when you'd come and look over them, they'd pop up and try to get your stuff from you. And so he kind of gets towards him. He arrived at the place, came and looked, but then he's like, ah, I don't want it to be a trick. And he goes on the other side. But then there's a certain Samaritan. Now listen, folks, if you don't know this about the Bible, you need to know this. A Samaritan was a hated person to the Jew. Jews and Samaritans hated each other. 
You ready for history? 722 BC, Assyria comes into the area of Samaria, which is right above Jerusalem, the middle part of Israel, and rips out the 10 northern tribes. And, but what they did was they left the weak and the sick and the old and all that sort of thing. And the Assyrians came and intermarried. And there was this fight between Jewish folks and Assyrians, and they hated each other. And Jesus just blows it away. He says this, a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, where this Jewish fella apparently was laying and hurting. And when he saw him, he had compassion. Remember, we defined compassion about three weeks ago. We said this, compassion is feeling your pain in my heart and then doing something about it. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, poured on oil and wine. Why would he pour on oil and wine? Oil would soothe, wine would disinfect, and he set him on his own animal probably a donkey, and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the next day when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, said to him, take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? He's asking him which one was the neighbor. Listen, he's moved him from a different question. The question now isn't anymore to Jesus, or excuse me, Jesus moves this man from this question, Who's my neighbor to who can I be a neighbor to? As I look around, who should I be a neighbor to? Who can I be a neighbor to? The ones who are hurting, the ones who need mercy. Not who is my neighbor, who can I be a neighbor to? I'll even help people. Listen to this one. This is one of the reasons, main reasons people don't help other people. You ready? Well, I'd help them, but they brought it upon themselves. <laughs> well, this guy brought it upon himself. He went down a road that was dangerous with stuff in his pockets, and he knew he shouldn't do it. And one of the things that we could say, maybe even the religious people did say, was he brought it upon himself. Jesus says, even if they bring it upon themselves, have compassion. When you see a need, meet the need. He had compassion, so he bandaged him. You'll, we'll help anyone. In other words, we don't care what political party you're in. I just want that to lay there for a minute. If you need help, I want to help you. If you're hurting and broken and bleeding by the side of the road, I don't care if you don't have all of your theology perfectly together right now. In fact, I'm a Samaritan and you're the Jewish religious one. I'll help you, Jesus says in this one. By the way, real quick, who was despised and rejected by his own? Jesus. What are we without Jesus in our lives? We're dead and bleeding and laying by the side of the road. There might even be religious people in and out of our lives, but he comes and he bandaged our wound, listen, by pouring on oil and wine. Oil, wine, both a picture of the Holy Spirit. And he set him on his own animal and brought him to the inn. I won't go through all of it, but listen, folks, you're sitting in the inn of Jesus Christ right now. You get what I'm saying? <laughs> the Lord has opened up this place and said, Here's what I want. I want broken and bloodied people to be able to come to your inn. The problem in American churches, we worry because they don't have a pair of pants on or they have a skirt on that should, or their skirt is, you know, here and it should be there. And then they, and, and oh my gosh, that one doesn't know, you know, uh, these certain doctrines. So why would you let that person in? Or they don't know this or they worship like this. And Jesus is saying, bring the bloody and the broken here and build them up. And then you who are already in the inn, bring them in. He even goes on and says, I'll even give to the innkeeper two denarii. I'll pay for them. And whatever more you spend, when I come again, notice this, I'll even repay you. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thorns? 
Some people believe the Samaritan, by the way, is Jesus himself. This is a parable. It probably isn't a parable. Why is it not a parable? Because when Jesus tells parables, he says, hey, I'm telling a parable. Listen up. He doesn't say it here, and he goes on. Some people believe that he's talking about himself right here. Which is perfect, because I can't be the good Samaritan without the love of the Lord, which leads me to the last. Jesus says, show mercy on him. Just pile mercy on people. You like mercy when it applies to you. But find when somebody makes their mistakes or makes their bed and you say things like this, like I say. Just let them lay in their own bed. Whoa. Now, I know there's a time. Listen, I'm in, we got people here who are in charge of benevolence, and I participate in that. And sometimes it's hard to know when to give and not to give. And we try to err on the side of grace, and sometimes we get burnt. But we always ought to be ready for mercy, and we need the Lord. So that's why he puts in the last thing. We are to be ambassadors, listen, folks, on our mission, neighbors, and to be worshipers. You say, oh, you're a pastor, speak, uh, blah, blah, blah. Well, it happened as they went that they entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house and she had a sister called Mary. Listen, who also, circle also. Nobody circles also. Who also sat at Jesus' feet, which means Martha was sitting at Jesus' feet. She just got up to give the 10-course meal who also sat at his feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, 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 (laughs) Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part. Well, there's so many things that we could say here as we wind up. What are we to be as we move out into the world? We're to be, to be trained as an ambassador. We're to be trained in who is our neighbor, not or who can I be a neighbor to, not who is our neighbor. But then we're also to be trained that, uh, listen, folks, it's more important what we do with Jesus than what we do for Jesus. There is no possible way that we can go out into the world as sheep with all these wolves around or to go love people who are unlovable if we haven't spent time at the feet of Christ. You must. We must. You know, when people come to me with serious problems, you know one of the first things I ask them and they look at me like, are you an alien? One of the first things I ask them is, How's your devotional life? Well, you know, I'm so busy. I mean, I can't really do that sort of thing. I come to the sermons and I listen, you know, when I can. And I come and pray. Yeah, but not that. Where is it that you are alone with the Lord? Here, I want you to see something. Martha was there. But Jesus is getting ready, remember, to march to his death, the joy that was set before him, Hebrews tells us, us, he's going to go to his death. And, and maybe as he comes back to his friends and to Bethany, maybe he just wants some quiet and some peace and some good fellowship. Maybe it's not so important that he gets a 10-course meal. And he says to her, one thing is needed. Now, listen, there's two ways we could go with that. The traditional way is Psalm 27. What's the one thing is needed? is that I behold your beauty in the sanctuary, the psalmist said. Just one thing. Paul said, there's just one thing that I would just know Jesus Christ, that I could just, everything else would be rubbish to me, but that I would just know him in a real and personal way. That's certainly true. But I wonder this too. I wonder if part of it is, hey, I just need a sandwich. You get what I'm saying? I don't need all the hubbub. Just bring me one thing. You you don't have to do the 10-course meal which is an interesting thought because, listen, as we're called to hospitality, are you called to hospitality? Yes, so am I, to be a hospital for people who are hurting at your homes, bring people over for dinner and lunch and all that sort of thing. Let's have a a body 
that when we're at the inn, we're at the inn, but have people to our homes and to share and to love. But anyway, listen, here's the problem. We want to give hospitality the way we like to receive hospitality. Oh, 10-course meal. I'm going to be nice to you in the way I like to be nice or to be loved. And Jesus is just saying, man, that ain't important to me. Just come spend time with me. I don't need the 10-course meal. A bagel would be fine. Just come and sit. And let's just sit here and commune. And as we all know, listen, folks, just as we uh, know about the feeding of the 5,000, if we're going to give out to the people in need, we must receive from the Lord first. We must. We must. If we're not keeping our devotions, however that works for you, if we're not spending time with the Lord and we're running around and we're just doing all the frenetic things and we're traveling heavy and we're, and we're wondering why there's this blockage in our spiritual life. Well, here it is. There's only one thing needed is to just sit down at the feet of Jesus and spend time with him. I'm convinced as we end here. I'm convinced that it's more important what we do with Jesus than what we do for Jesus. Because if we're not with Jesus, we'll never be able to give out. Let's pray. Well, Lord, thanks so much for this morning as we move through uh, the book of Luke. Lord, help us to be great ambassadors. And when you're, you tell us to be great, that means laying our lives down for other people. Lord, that we would surrender to all that you would have for us and that we would look for those who are in need and meet the needs. And Lord, before we go out and venture out, that we would spend time at your feet. Lord, that we would give hospitality to people in the way in which they need it, not the way we think they need it. (laughs) Help us in all these areas, Lord, as we are weak, but you are strong. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.